When I was a junior in high school, we had a class that we could sign up for, and it was called Driver's Ed. Yes, it was an actual uh, subject you could sign up for in high school. We didn't have to take extra classes or go outside of our normal classroom time to take Driver's Ed. And it was classroom and practical. As a matter of fact, they took us out. And they taught us how to parallel park. <laughs> Imagine that. I did pretty good at that. They wanted us to take a look in the rearview mirror to see if there was anything behind us. And then, of course, what they actually asked us to do was to put our arm on the seat, turn our head around to see what was going on. It was always best if you did what the instructor said, because otherwise they'd be yelling at you for putting your, you know, put your arm up and stuff like that. Of course, that little move was always helpful when you were driving. Let's see, it was my 61 Rambler American station wagon, and the front seat was a bench seat. Remember those bench seats? Okay. They were great because then the girl that you were going out with could just sit right next to you. And then you could just, oh, I'm just backing up, don't worry. And then it just happened that your arm stayed there. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, by the way, I did look it up to see if we still had to parallel park when you're getting your driver's license. In the state of Wisconsin, you still do. You don't ever have to parallel park. Don't they know that? Well, anyway, uh, nowadays, you don't have to look in the rearview mirror or turn your arm around, you know, Turn your head all the way around, because wouldn't you put it in reverse? Ding! It's right in the... You can just see where you're driving. You could drive backwards walking. No, you probably couldn't. But you can see where you're going. Some cars even... I saw this on a commercial. I don't know. It's, they just pull up next to the car, push the button, and it self-parks. I'm like, oh, why didn't they have that then? We're going to talk a little bit about looking in the rearview mirror at our life and what's going on there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, once again, we come before you. I don't have much to say, but you do. You, you've got something to tell each one of us in our hearts. And ask, I ask that you just come down right now and use me to speak to everyone here because we know how important we are to you and that you love each and every one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the end of the year. End of the year, I always look back at how I did Am I, am I doing better than I was at the very beginning of 2020? I'm not quite sure this year, but that's a good idea to look back at that stuff. But anyway, I always do that. I'm, a couple areas I look at, I look at our finances. Whenever we're getting ready to take, you know, get ready to taxes, end of the year stuff, I look at my finances because I say, I'm a, I'm a person that believes in tithing, and that God will honor that. The only way I can tell is if I'm doing that is actually looking at my finances. Check the checkbook. Am I doing what I think I am doing? So at the end of the year, it's a good time to take a look back and say, all right, this is how much we made. Did we do what we said we were going to do? Another area I look at at the end of the year is relationships. Have I developed any new relationships? Have I made any new friends? Have I been able to show God's love to those people around me? And how are my relationships doing? Now, years ago... Jen and I had gone to the prison in Green Bay and were able to minister to some of the inmates there. And I even ended up on a Thursday night group that was 
shall I say, the special inmates. In other words, they were, they were uh, on their best behavior. So they were able to come to Thursday night, and I played, and we sang, and we, we, we preached to them. Um, absolutely wonderful group of guys. There's one guy there that always had something, some little tidbit to say. Jennifer and I have a couple of those sayings that he, we still remember to this day that he had. And one of them was this. You can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. You can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. There's a couple of individuals that didn't believe that. And it says this. In 1930, Charles Creighton and James Hagrith completed the drive from New York City to Los Angeles and back to New York City, all in reverse gear. The trip took 42 days in their 1929 Ford Model A. I always wondered whether they used the rearview mirror or just looked over their shoulder. <laughs> I calculated how fast they were going just because I was interested in 42 days there and back. They averaged seven miles an hour in reverse all the way there and back. They did not turn the car off. I found that out too. Okay, they can do that. Because there was two of them, they could, you know, swap drivers and stuff. Anyway, they were going backwards all the way. But they were not going forwards, even looking in the rearview mirror. Today we're going to look at what Paul had to say to the Philippians in uh, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, where it says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You look at that and you go, what's the it he is talking about? Right? At the very beginning he said, I haven't taken hold of it. Well, what is the it he was talking about? And just like Paul has done in other writings of his you have to go back a few verses to find out what the it is that he was talking about. And it says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, starts this way. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The it he was talking about in verses 13 and 14 is that he wanted to know Christ. Now, if you look at Paul's life, you would think, how in the world would Paul still be trying to understand and to know Christ after all he'd been through? But he knew that that was the actual learning process that he would go through throughout his life. He wanted to know Christ. He didn't want to know about Christ. There was enough of that going on. There were enough people that knew about Christ. Paul wanted to know Christ. That was what his goal was. That was the it he was talking about. And then after that very beginning part, it says, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Not 
These are the things I need to do to know Christ. He said, but one thing I do. And you know, sometimes in all of our strivings and everything that we do as human beings, we think we need to do more than just that. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm thinking, that's all I have to do. You know, we'll say, I pray for you. I'm like, you know, that's a good thing to do. But we think we need to do more than just one thing to know Christ. But he didn't say that. He needed to do many things. If we continue in our search and our striving to do a lot of things, we end up becoming human doings instead of human beings. Because that's what God has called us to do. He just wants us to be wholly committed to him. The next part of that verse that we were talking about, verses 13 and 14, talks about that one thing he has to do, forgetting what is behind. And that's what we want to talk about and I want to focus on today is forgetting what is behind. Some of us have this idea or have this problem with the idea of forgetting what's behind. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was talking to three fellows and he kept on saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. And the third guy that he was talking about said, first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. I don't know about you, but if I'm getting ready to say goodbye to my family, we're at a function, it's not going to be quick. It's definitely, you know, and the bigger the family, the longer it takes to say goodbye. If you want to leave in like three hours sometimes, you got to start saying goodbye. All right? I don't know about, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm thinking we're all the same boat, right? Okay. So this guy said to him, he needs to go say goodbye. But Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I'm thinking, Jesus, that's kind of like really strong words. You're not fit for service if you look back at what's been going on. For you see, though, that Jesus was talking about the same thing Paul was. We need to continue to look ahead at what's going on and not back. God, even in, his, uh, in Isaiah, talking to, to the tribes of Israel, in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, God himself says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a, doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For you see, God said, hey, I'm doing new stuff. Forget that stuff in the past. Now, I don't want us to think God is telling us to forget everything in our past. Because if he were, there would not be, let's see, what is it? 231 Bible results for the word remember. So obviously, there are some things we need to remember. We need to remember how God, because God told Israel, he said he rem we're supposed to remember what he did and how he kept them in the wilderness. You remember 40 years, they, their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever had a pair of shoes that could last 40 years. Or clothes. That has probably something to do with getting different sizes. Anyway, he also told them to remember the covenant that he had when he put the, the bow in the clouds, the rainbow. Remember that covenant? He would never again send a flood to cover the whole earth and destroy all of mankind. He said to remember that. 
So there are some things to remember. Even Jesus in the Last Supper said, do this in remembrance of me. So therefore, we're not talking about forgetting everything in our past. There are some things we do need to remember. However, the things that we do need to forget are those things that keep holding us back and beating us down. It says in the, in the song Survivor by Zach Williams, he was talking about this, the things that, that troubled him. It says this, For so long I carried the weight of my past, crippled by burdens like stones on my back. I thought I had fallen too far from your grace, but you came and showed me the way. There are songs about the burdens and the past sins. There's also a song by Crowder called Forgiven. And it says this, Forgiven, forgiven. Child, there is freedom from all of it. Say goodbye to every sin you are forgiven. For you see, God has forgiven all of our sins. When we come to him and confess, and we say, Lord, this was my sins. I confess those sins. When we come to him and we, we accept his forgiveness, his, his gift of eternal life through the blood of Jesus, that blood covers every single sin we have ever done and ever will do. We forget that sometimes. There are times when we talk about and we learn that, you know, we're, we listen to Brian, he's talking, we, we need to forgive others. And we're like, okay, I can forgive them. I can forgive that. I can forgive that. And, and each and every time we can say, okay, I can forgive that. We can even understand that God forgives all of our sins. Every single one of them. Many of us understand that. But I have talked to so many people. I have done counseling with so many individuals that could not forgive themselves. There are too many sins. There's too many things I've done, they tell me. God would never forgive that. And I, I'll just tell you this. There is no such thing as sins that God can't forgive. He loves each and every one of us that much. He sent his son to cover those sins with the blood of his son, Jesus. When we get to the, get to the judgment seat and our sins are before us, and he says, okay, let's judge what's going on, and Jesus says, I paid for them all. Every single sin we've ever done. Brian even said in his message back in November, he's talking about David, the man after God's own heart. God doesn't allow our past to define us. Can you imagine that? David's past, and it says David was a man after God's own heart. I don't know about you, but some of the things David was doing, I don't think I'd consider him a man after God's own heart. Do you remember? Yeah. Um, those are some of the things that, you know, like they're big sins. Not that there's some that are bigger than others, but in our minds, sometimes it gets that way. But David was a man after God's own heart. He forgave all of David's sins. Next part of those verses says this, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Straining toward what is ahead, I press on. This is not a casual moving forward like, okay, you forgive my sins. Okay, good, let's go. We're, we're on with our life. Some of us are that way. Okay, on with our life. He's not talking about that. Nope. 
He didn't say, I really like to win the prize. <laughs> Straining ahead and pressing on does not indicate a lackadaisical attitude. It indicates that it is something that we strive for and work on and press forward each and every day. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 9 says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Notice in here, Peter's talking about some things in the very beginning of all these things that we have to add to. He says, make every effort. Once again, it's a, it's a call for us to press forward, to not just kind of this, oh well, hopefully my faith will turn into goodness and hopefully my goodness will turn da 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 We have to make every effort to do that. And when we do that, it will help us increase in, what does it say? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, there it is. That's the it Paul was talking about. Knowing Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it also talks about this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation? Boy, oh boy, there's some things, God, that I've done that I really should be condemned for. But you know what? There still is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It says that in Romans. We need to remember these things. No condemnation means no condemnation for everything. It doesn't mean no condemnation for most things, and then you just have to worry about the rest of that stuff. All right? And also in Psalm 103, it talks about this, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. There's a song now that says, how, how much did you love me? It's, it, and the, from one stretched hand to the other. But that's really not quite what it really means. When they talk about our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west, you know, it doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. And the reason is, if you go north, you can only go so far, because then you'll be heading south again. If you go south, you can only go so far, because then you'll be heading north again. If you go east, you can go east until the cows come home. If you go west, you can go west until the cows come home. There is no stopping east or west. Therefore, that is an immeasurable or infinite distance between east and west. So God said, that's how far your, east, your sins are from me. I was watching a movie the other day, and it was called Geostorm. And it's amazing how sometimes the movies have references and things that are talked about in the Bible. Did you ever notice some of that stuff? Even if they didn't mean for it to be that way, it's there. The young lady at the end of the movie says this. You can't undo the past. All you can do is face what's ahead. You can't undo the past. All you can do is face what's ahead. Sometimes we get lost in that past. 
And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to face what's ahead and strain towards that. The next part of those verses that Paul was talking about says toward the goal. Now what goal is that? The goal that he was talking about was to know Christ. And sometimes we need to remember that when we're focusing and when we're pressing on, when we're straining forward towards a goal, the only way that we can do that is to keep our eyes on the goal. Because if you take your eyes off the goal, you start veering this way or that way. In this movie called American Flyers, an older brother was training his younger brother for this bicycle race they were going to enter together. Now, the older brother had raced this race before and had come in second. And he wanted his brother and him to be able to do their best and come in first, of course. So he showed his younger brother a clip of when he was racing in the last time that race was held and he raced. And as they were getting near the finish line, the older brother just was looking forward and then all of a sudden he glanced at somebody that was coming up by him. And he told his younger brother, he said, right there, as soon as I looked, that's when I lost the race. That one look, and it, didn't, it wasn't a long look, it was just enough of a look. He said, that's what did it. I lost the race because I didn't focus on the goal. Peter, good old Peter. Do we remember good old Peter? <laughs> good old Peter. He was the guy, though, that when Jesus came out walking on the water and they were all afraid and they were like, who is it? And Jesus said it was him. So Peter hollers out, well, if it's you, tell me to come. So Jesus is like, come, it's me. So Peter was the guy, remember, that got out of the boat and he walked on water. As long as he kept looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. And then, for a moment, doesn't say how long, but he noticed the wind and the storm around him. When he noticed the wind and the storm, it says he began to sink. That's another whole sermon about beginning to sink, because I don't know about you, but if I'm walking on water, and then, or if I step off a dock or something, I don't just begin to sink. <laughs> I just sink. <laughs> okay? Anyway, Peter was doing fine as long as he kept his eye on the goal, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. It was when he started looking to the side and what was going on around him and realizing, I'm not supposed to walk on water. That's when he began to sink. I used to shoot competitive archery, and we would have targets at 20 yards. And there was bullseyes in the middle of the whole target, which is, of course, your goal to hit the bullseye. But inside the bullseye, in case you didn't know, there's a little tiny ring about the size of maybe a quarter. And it's called the X ring. Now, when I was shooting archery, I was doing pretty good. Most of the time I was hitting the bullseye. Until one time, one of the guys that was on my team said, are you just aiming for the bullseye? I'm like, yeah, isn't that what we're supposed to aim for? He said, no. He said, aim for the X in the middle of the bullseye. He says, because if you aim for the X and you miss the X a little bit, you're still in the bullseye. If you aim for the bullseye and you miss a little bit, that's less points. But everything in the bullseye is the same point. So what he was saying is, focus small, miss small. It's like, makes sense. 
focus on the goal, and he helped me because there was, anyway, I ended up shooting a 300 one time. That means you shot 60 arrows in the bullseye, all right? But anyway, that was because he helped me understand that it's the, the center of the bullseye you got to aim for, not just the bullseye. And sometimes we forget that. He also then says, after, toward the goal, in his, those verses, he says, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the prize, once again, is that we know Christ. We, we have our transformation and our sanctification going on. Paul knew that even though he had accepted that gift of Christ's salvation, the, the salvation that brought through Christ's blood, he still knew that he had to continue to move forward toward Jesus and toward what Jesus wanted him to do. It's knowing Christ, once again. It's not about knowing, knowing who Christ is. It's not knowing about him. It's actually knowing him. In my devotion, on, I've been reading a devotional by Bob Goff, and I don't know if any of you know who that is, but we've been reading this devotional. On day 331, Bob Goff was talking about Zacchaeus. Remember that little guy? Yeah, Zacchaeus. He was the one that had to climb the sycamore tree because he was too little. Anyway, Bob Goff was talking about this. He looked at Zacchaeus. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, and it says this. Instead of trying to stop a few bad behaviors... Jesus is more interested in our transformation and helping us become more like him. For you see, when Jesus talked to Zacchaeus, he wasn't like, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. Uh, well, maybe say a prayer first and then come down and I'll have to go to your house. He was just, no, I'm, he was interested in Zacchaeus and not in Zacchaeus' past. He knew about Zacchaeus' past, but he wasn't interested in that. He was interested in the transformation that could come when he, when he confronted Zacchaeus and said, I'm coming to your house. And Bob Goff then, at the end of that devotional, said, in what ways have you been transformed this year? We have to take a look at, once again, like I said, our relationships and our finance. Have we moved from where we were at the beginning of the year to where we are now? And sometimes we don't like what we see, but that means we can change it. But once again, we can't change the past. There's a couple of things I want you to remember about this whole thing, this whole idea that Paul was talking about. First thing is, don't dwell on our past sins. There may be sins there that we think absolutely, and they come up again and again because the devil reminds us. <laughs> Remember this? And I always like the saying that says, whenever the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> okay? So we don't need to dwell on our past sins. Second thing, move forward with all your might and help from God. Move forward with all that you have in you. Don't just sit around and go, okay, it'll, we'll get there. We need to move forward with everything we've got. That's straining towards the goal, pressing on towards the goal. And the lastly, it says, stay focused on your goal. Make sure you stay focused on the goal because if you don't stay focused on your goal, and you know, sometimes just the littlest change can get us way off course. We just need to stay focused on knowing Christ and what he's done. I want to close with a devotional, a bit from a devotional I had in uh, 
December 11th, actually. That morning, I got down in the place where I normally do my morning devotionals, and I'm like, God, I don't know. I don't know, is, is this what you really want me to talk about still? Is it this, or is it that, or is it something else? God, I need to know. And my morning devotional said this, and I'm just going to kind of close with this and give us an idea of what I was talking about. It says this. One morning, I visited a pond near my house, watching a gentle west wind chase a layer of mist across the water's surface. Before long, the sunlight cut through the clouds and the mist disappeared. This scene comforted me because I connected it with a verse I just read. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your mists, your sins like the morning mist. I visited the place hoping to distract myself from a series of sinful thoughts I'd been preoccupied with for days. Although I was confessing them, I began to wonder if God would forgive me when I repeated the same sin. That morning, I knew the answer was yes. I don't fully grasp forgiveness like that, but I do understand that God's grace is the only thing that can dissolve our sin completely and heal us from it. I'm thankful His grace is endless and divine like He is and that it's available whenever we need it. Jen sometimes help, helps me say, you know, we remember things when we can associate them with something we can see. This is a list of sins that are found in the Bible. Any sins you've ever done, they're here, okay? If you've got a sin that you've been hanging on to, that you said, geez, I don't know if God can forgive me, it's here. I want you to know that when God says he will forgive our sins and dissolve them completely, our sins go away. Just like that. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the time that we've had to come before you and understand that you take away every single sin in our life that you love us that much that you sent your son down to cover our sins with the blood of your son. Help us, each one of us, to grasp hold of that idea that our sins are gone, all of them, every single one, even the ones we think nobody knows about and the ones that we think we'll never, ever get rid of. Father, you will dissolve them away. You will get rid of them. You have them covered. You do not remember them at all, ever, ever again. We love you, Father. We thank you for this time that we've spent with you. Help us to forget what is behind and press on toward the goal of winning and knowing you and your son, Jesus. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.